0: Still. At home, turn us up. In your car, turn us on. At work, tell others about Talking with Ms. T, the talk show that's giving you trending topics, noted news, interesting interviews, community updates, and so much more. It continues right now. Ms. T,
1: Killed in do the talking. All you got to do is be a good listener.
2: Greetings, listeners. You're back where it's at, and this is Tanisha Baker spinning the winning talk show designed with you in mind. You're listening to Talking with T, the show with a flow that will keep you in the know. We keep it real and true as we do what we do. It's March 28th, and if today is your birthday, you share it with your birthday mates, Lady Gaga, Reba McIntyre, and Cheryl James, better known as Salt of the Female Rap Trio Salt and Pepper. It is also the birthday of William Harvey Carney, an American Civil War soldier who was the first African American to be awarded the Medal of Honor. On this date in history, Bill Russell becomes the first African-American to coach an NBA team, which was the Boston Celtics. The theme for this month is Motivated in March, so remember to follow Talking with T on Facebook and Twitter for daily motivational quotes. Feel free to share your own as well. As this is the last show in March, which has been recognized as Women's History Month, We applaud all women who have done remarkable things and have made a footprint in history. Tomorrow night, BET will air Black Girls Rock, and I asked listeners to share some Black Girls That Rock, and I'm going to share a few of the submissions right now. I'm going to also share a few more later in the show. Let's get started with Trina Sharice Giles, owner of Grits Cafe in Las Vegas, a very classy and savvy businesswoman. Who operates in the spirit of excellence? P. Shonda Dubose, award-winning playwright and founder of the Peace Theatre Awards, a very selfless visionary who thrives on uplifting and celebrating others. We have China Hudson, noted as a real sister, and one of the most gifted spoken word artists in the world, with a beautiful soul who flows in a sweet spirit of love and support. Michelle Payne, filmmaker and the founder of the award-winning las vegas black film festival as well as stephanie jones powell sweet spirited and gifted with a royal and healing touch as one of the best massage therapists in the world the final black girl that rocks for this segment is sharon tc harrell owner of tc's rib crib in las vegas which is one of the best barbecue restaurants in las vegas she is a lover of people who operates in the spirit of love and support and is always very kind. Our next black girl that rocks is our featured interview for today's show, Ms. Tensie Taylor.
3: Well, listeners, I am so delighted today to have Ms. Tensi Taylor with me. She's the award-winning author of the new book, Bully, Terror to Triumph. So welcome and thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk with me. Um, Let's just jump right in and tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: Okay. I am originally from Lewisburg, North Carolina. It's a small city approximately 30 miles north of the capital of North Carolina, Raleigh. I was born and raised there. I graduated from North Carolina State University with a Bachelor of Arts in Communication and a minor in Psychology in 2009. Then I worked at the University of North Carolina's general administration system for about a year and a half where I helped with um, reducing achievement gaps, looking at research, um, exposing community college students the opportunity to attend a 4 year university. And following that, I returned to my alma mater, NC State, and was a diversity program assistant for a year and a half and worked for the Office for Equity and Diversity. And I knew that I wanted to continue to climb up the ladder in order to help as many students as I can, so I decided to move to Los Angeles, and I uh, started my studies at the University of Southern California and graduated in May 2014 with the Master's of Education in Post-Secondary Administration and Student Affairs, and now I've been working with the USC Black Alumni Association as a manager and then recruited or promoted as an assistant director of this organization. Wow. So,
3: (laughs) (laughs) wow. So quite a few accomplishments and some very worthwhile projects that you're involved in. And so that brings us to your book because obviously right now we're listening to what's happened on the other side of mm-hmm. what led you to writing the book. And so if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about what prompted you to share this story And without giving too much away, because I'm sure after this interview, we're going to have several listeners go out and purchase the book. But um, share what inspired you to, I guess, go public with your story and also how it has impacted others reading it.
4: Absolutely. So my parents have always told me that I had a story in me and that I needed to share my story with the world. And I was like, no, no, no. Nobody would want to hear my story, and it takes a lot of effort to write a book. They were talking to me about this when I first started college in 2005, But it wasn't until April of 2015 where I just continued to turn on the news or read an article online, and I kept hearing about a young person being bullied at school and hearing sad, tragic stories of a person committing suicide because of the bullying that they faced at school. And I said, I have had enough. I've heard enough. I want to tell my story to help others. And so that's what I did. And I started the writing process around April. I would just tell my story and I would write. Sometimes I wrote between 20 pages. Sometimes I wrote 50 to 75 pages a day. But as I wrote my story, it was a very healing and cathartic process for me. And I can just remember everything from the first day of school outfit that I wore back in kindergarten in 1992 when the bullying first started to how students treated me. And my story is, is very inspirational because people who know me now say you're very positive, you're very vivacious, you give hugs. How could anybody bully you? You're so nice. Or how come you're not bitter? From how people treated you. And I say, well, you know, I had a very strong support system, and despite how others treated me, I still try to find the good in people regardless. And, I mean, from kindergarten through 12th grade, I was physically and verbally bullied from having my book bag snatched off my back and a student dumping all my belongings on the floor to, in middle school, a student trying to break my arm, to students relentlessly making fun of my appearance because of my big eyes, my big forehead, my small stature, and because I excelled academically. I was a straight-A student. I won a lot of awards, and so people just wanted to bring me down to try to uplift themselves, but the positive side is that my parents and my siblings, they kept me grounded, and no matter what type of bullying I faced at school, when I came home, I knew that I was surrounded by love and affection and that people genuinely cared about me, and my parents would say, you know, it's tough, but keep going. Keep going. As bad as it can be, do not let the negativity of others deter you from accomplishing your dreams, and I just had such a fervent, unequivocal desire to go forward and to just continue to prove the bullies wrong and to just make myself and my parents proud of my accomplishments. So it's tough. My mom did have to come to school a few times to talk with the teachers, the principal, and even some bullies. Sometimes it helped. Other times it backfired or students bullied me even more. But when my mom and dad read my book, they learned a lot of things that they didn't know about me because I never told them everything. But I, it was really terror. Students terrorized me at school, but I came out triumphant. And at 28 years old, I've done many things have traveled the world, have won more than 300 awards, and this is just the beginning. I want to use my platform and my voice to help others and to give back and to give those who are bullied a voice and advice on how they can overcome this behavior.
3: I'm just going to pause to say that I'm going to share your pictures because you're absolutely stunning, and (laughs) of course, looking at on this side of it, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, I can't believe that they thought she was anything other than gorgeous. But I do understand, because I work with you, that bullying is very real, it's very powerful, and you are so fortunate to have a support system that loves you and um, were able to, I guess, be your rock, you know, in the midst of all of that. We have many students who are bullied and don't have the strength of a support system such as you. Do you have any advice or suggestions for those of us that are dealing with youth? Or perhaps we have someone listening now who is currently being bullied, and um, they just need some encouragement and maybe knowing it's not going to last forever.
4: That's true. Um, My advice to those students who are bullied is I gave a presentation a few months ago with the Anti-Defamation League, and they have started a curriculum, and they say three things. Stand up, speak out, reach out. So if you're being bullied at school, speak out. Tell a teacher, tell an adult, tell another class member that's close by. Stand up. So if you are a student and are witnessing another person being bullied, stand up for that person. Go in and intervene and try to stop the bullying. Be an ally. This doesn't mean that you go in and start a fight or any of that. No. Just say something simple as, hey, Leave her alone or stop that. Be an ally to a student who's being bullied and reach out. This is where that support system comes in of where you tell an adult, if you tell a family member, what's going on in school. For me, like I said, my mom, she came to school several times and talked to bullies. And sometimes it helped, sometimes it didn't. But what the administration needs to do more of Is teachers and principals they need to take this issue more seriously? I have heard so many instances, myself included, when I was bullied by a teacher in the fifth grade. My parents went to the principal. The principal didn't do anything about it. They said, "Oh, that's too much work. You know, they're just they're picking on Tensy. That's not really bullying." But my health was being affected. I was afraid to go to school. The principal did nothing. So then my parents went to the superintendent and the superintendent did something and gave me the paperwork to be removed from that teacher's class. So I encourage teachers, principals, administrators, if a student or a parent is coming to you and saying that my child is being bullied, Please take that seriously. Bring in the student, bring in the other person who's doing the bullying and take matters into your own hands because sometimes students feel like they can't talk to anyone and that's when they start to get depressed and that's when they start to think that no one cares and then that's when the unfortunate happens when sometimes students take their own lives from the bullying. So I encourage any type of adult, if a student is reaching out to you, please get that person help and 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 resources to help the student being bullied. Don't dismiss it. Don't say, oh, they're just picking on you. You need to develop a tough skin. No, words are powerful. The words that students told me affected me more than the times that they physically bullied me. Like I said, I was bullied for my eyes because they're big, and it wasn't until college, when I was 18 years old, that I received my first compliment on my eyes. I was so desperate that I wanted to have eye surgery. I would place a picture of my sister under my pillow every night and pray to God, please make my eyes normal like her. Like That's what I dealt with because students called me a frog, a squirrel. They said, as big as your eyes are, you could probably see the whole world close. So those words hurt. So the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt, that is not true at all. Yeah, and so I encourage yeah. any type of adult to just really listen to the student and to take it seriously because if not, something fatal could happen.
3: Wow. Um, I so appreciate you sharing that. Um, It's very important. And Like I said, in working with youth and seeing it and just seeing the suffering sometimes, Mm -hmm. you can see it in their eyes. Um, Mm -hmm. Just mentioned a story where I had to push and push and push a student to share with me what was going on. and. The bottom line, it was bullying. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I agree that we can't ignore it. We can't dismiss it because it can be life changing. And mm-hmm. where you are able to triumph, um, and I love the title of your book. There are many that hold that pain for so long and it impacts them. You said, you know, you were 18 before you received a compliment, which Is a shame because I'm sure they thought it even though they didn't say it out loud. We know that uh, probably the source of your bullying was jealousy. And that's something else that we need to address because students or people in general, you know, adults bully as well. Mm -hmm. When they want what you have, they tend to have that crab mentality. and and try to pull you down to their level. And those are conversations that we need to have so that we can expose bullying for the problem that it is. But before we close, I want to know what's next on the horizon for you. I think you have been really busy, and you said over 300 awards, and I know they're still rolling in. So what's next?
4: Well, what's next is I am really trying to – you would love to be a motivational speaker and travel the country sharing my story and impacting people. It's so funny. I'm a little person. I'm very small with teeth And people assume that because I'm tiny, I'm quiet when I speak. But once I start speaking and they hear my voice and the ebb and flow of it and my story, they're all struggling. With, oh, You went through that, and you still have this confidence and this passion to give back. So I really would love to be a motivational speaker. And then in the long term, have my own talk show. I would love, like you, you have your show, Talking with Tea, to have my own talk show to just raise awareness about different issues that are going on in society, whether it's bullying domestic violence, I mean, another unfortunate terrorist incident that happened in Brussels and in the Ivory Coast. It's just so many important things that we need to talk about, and I want to be that platform for people. So I am, I just try to spread the love and joy every day. I'm very faith-based, and I try to live my life right and just give hugs and encourage people. I met a young student the other day we had dinner. She reached out to me on Instagram because she found out about my story. I mean, people from Saudi Arabia, Korea, China, Great Britain have reached out to me because they found out about my book. And she's a student at Northridge, and we had dinner, and she told me about her career plans, and I gave her encouragement. And it brought her to tears because she said, no one has ever encouraged me before. They said, oh, you can't do this. You come from this environment. You'll never make it. But she said, you don't even know me, and you're taking the time to help me and encourage me. And I thank you for that. So that's what I want to do. I just want to be a person that helps others and to just give of my love, time, and money to make this world a better place.
3: Wow. <laughs> I mean, sometimes even tea is at a loss for words. And this may be one of, the, one of those times where I'm definitely going to keep up with you um, and stay inspired by your story. And hopefully we'll have an opportunity actually to share a platform and keep in touch with each other. And I think we have a similar mission as Mm -hmm. far as reaching out to people. And so I'm just so glad, again, that you're here today. Tell our listeners where they can find a copy of your book. Now, I'm adding that to my school library and making that available for students um, to read and even adults who may have that issue and, you know, need some inspiration and some ways to deal with it. But tell our listeners how they can get your book.
4: Okay, you can get my book on Amazon.com online or online through Barnes & Noble or Books a Million. And again, the title is Bullied from Terror to Triumph, My Survival Story by Tensy J. Taylor, and I do book signings as well. So um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, Tensy Taylor, or Twitter, at Miss Tensy, you can reach me that way. And I've done book signings at churches, schools. I actually have two more book signings coming up. But I just really want to get my message out. Um, and I hope that you all will go and purchase the book to find out how someone from a little town in North Carolina was bullied badly, but came out on top and is now 28 years old and, and works at USB and gets to hobnob with celebrities every day. It's possible. Dream big. Never let anyone tell you what you can't do. But I appreciate your support. And thank you so much, Ms. Baker, for having me on your show.
3: Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank
4: you.
2: Another Black Girl That Rocks is rising artist Jackie Hampton. Let's listen to her latest hit, everything I need. Keep it where it's at. I'll be right back. You are listening to Talking with T.
0: your touch always feels the same circumstances in life may you try to fight but nothing will extinguish this flame i have for you so spirit fall down this plan you have for me fits me perfectly so i offer you worship i run from you constantly from everything Yet you still gave me purpose So I cry out For my is loudest voice Lord God, you're so worthy Lord God, you are everything I need to survive I become fearless Whenever your presence resides in me I usher your spirit, Lord To comfort me, so I cry, Spirit, Spirit, fall down on me. When you have for me, fits me perfectly. So I offer you worship. I remember you constantly from everything, yet you still gave me purpose. So I cry out, for my loudest voice, Lord God, you're so worthy. God, you are everything I need to survive. Lord God, you are everything I need to survive. Lord God, you are everything I need to survive. Lord God, you are everything I need
2: to survive. survive. And now it's time for today's Quick Bits. Starbucks pledges to donate 100% of unsold food that is still safe to eat from its 7,600 stores through partnerships with the Food Donation Connection and the nonprofit Feeding America. According to Fortune, it is reported that Donald Trump is understating his debt by $500 million. Los Angeles flight attendant was apprehended after smuggling 70 pounds of cocaine at LAX. This next bit of news will make you think twice about being a garbage man. Two garbage men in New York made $112,000 and $100,000 per year, respectively as a garbage truck driver and a helper that rides on the back of the truck. They have both been on the job for almost 10 years and have watched their salaries grow. Both are school dropouts and are making more than many college graduates. To the dismay of many... Actor Shamar Moore retires from the hit TV drama Criminal Minds after 11 seasons. Let's move straight into trending news with a story about a six-year-old who was apparently handcuffed under the school stairs for stealing candy from the teacher's desk. Now, the mother, Marlena Wortlaw, is obviously furious. When Ms. Wortlaw arrived at the school, she confronted the school security officer and was told he was trying to teach them to stop taking stuff that doesn't belong to them. Although the principal of the school apologized, Ms. Wordlaw is still planning to sue. So what do you think about
5: this? Let me get this straight. Six-year-old handcuffed under some stairs for stealing candy from a teacher's desk, right? Yes, six years old. Six years old, okay. All right, so there has to be another way to teach a child a lesson about taking things that do not belong to him. And obviously, Ms. Wardlow is, with, is clearly within her right to be furious. And quite frankly, I probably would move towards some legal action myself. If you're treating a child like this, like I said, there are other ways of disciplining children. And this is just a little bit, not a little bit excessive. It's terribly excessive, in my opinion.
2: I agree. You know, it seems like this is another incident that's trending in the news lately is how teachers are behaving with children. It's like all filters are gone.
1: Yes, that's true. But it seems like schools should have ISS or something implemented. I mean, PAC, you know, they have that, you know, different elementary schools. But to handcuff someone's child was just...
5: I just have to keep saying six years old.
1: Six years old.
5: Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely a black eye to the teaching profession. And I just want our listeners to know that this is not the norm for... Uh, schools across the country. We've got several incidents that have happened, but we do have some very dedicated educators who care about children and who definitely would not do things like that to harm a child.
2: Right, and I think that's why these stories make the news, because it's really abnormal. It's excessive, so we hear these stories on the news because they're kind of out of the norm of what would traditionally or typically go on in a normal classroom and in a normal school environment. So moving on to our next story, uh, it's involving two black Atlanta police officers who get in a fight over who can run the fastest. And it started as a fist fight, and then one of them pulled his gun. So other officers broke up the fight, and no shots were fired. But I'm thinking this does not display the characteristics of a gentleman. Who is in the role of a police officer. And this is a black eye on them for sure.
5: Okay, how old were they? Because it sounds like some kindergarten type stuff.
2: Right, right. I don't know their age. They seem to be um, maybe mid-20s to 30s. Too old post- to be
5: doing some foolishness like that. Exactly.
2: If they're <laughs> exactly. old enough to wear the badge of a police officer, they're too old to do any
1: foolishness like that.
5: And a fight over who can run the fastest. Yes. Seriously? Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs>
1: And was it that important to where they risking losing their job? Do they have families? I mean... I don't know, but maybe they want to choose an alternate career in track. Yeah, maybe they can be track coaches <laughs> or something.
2: <laughs> All right, so we've been wondering when we're going to have one week, just one, go by that we don't have to report a hate crime. But this week, former University of Mississippi student has confessed to hanging a noose around the neck of the statue of James Meredith which was the first black student credited for integrating the school. Austin Reed Edinfield pled guilty after finally admitting that he helped Graham Philip Harris place the noose around the neck of the statue. Now, Harris was found guilty last year and sentenced to six months in prison. He's scheduled to be released on July 1st, and now Edinfield faces up to a year in prison and a $100,000 fine. His sentencing will be on July 21st. So I'm thinking, you know, we keep hearing about these stories, But the people are being punished. So why do they keep doing it? Just like the guy we talked about last week that was allergic to black people. Just like when we talked about the gentleman who told the waitress he was going to take her and show her where he had hung her grandfather. And then the teenagers who thought it would be funny to reenact a slave auction. They're all held accountable, and they're punished, and they're criticized, but these stories keep popping up in the news.
5: They get a slap on the wrist, and they keep it moving.
2: Yeah, Yeah, okay. So you're saying maybe the consequences aren't severe enough? No. Okay, all right. Our final story has been trending all over the news. Two explosions at a Brussels airport killed at least 31 people and wounded hundreds more. One of the suspects that has been arrested is believed to have been directly involved in the Paris attacks in November. And sadly, it's been confirmed that a Gatlinburg native and his wife died in the Brussels attacks. So, Jay, can you fill us in on some
5: more details? Sure. Uh, as you said, there were two explosions that happened at the Brussels airport uh, this past Tuesday around 8 o'clock in the morning. And about an, uh, an hour later, there was another explosion at the Malbeek subway station in central Brussels that killed about 20 people. And there were over 230 other people who were wounded. Now, uh, of course, this is very suspect because now we're looking at it as a terrorist attack. And according to uh, several sources, eight hours after these explosions, a news agency that was affiliated with the Islamic State, sent out a bulletin claiming responsibility for these explosions. And the officials noted that uh, the timing of the attacks happened uh, just days after, as you said, uh, the arrest of the Paris suspect that killed over 130 people. There was a photo, rather, released of three men who were seen at the airport, and they were thought... Uh, that they would be suspects, and the other two people who were seen in this photo were probably suicide bombers. So uh, a lot of people have asked why Brussels, Belgium. We, we've had this attack in Paris. We've had uh, similar attacks happening in other cities around the world. And, of course, Sources have said that Brussels is the seat of the European Union as well as the capital of Belgium, and it's the focus of counterterrorism investigation. So uh, you've got a lot at stake here. And, of course, there are also a high popu- there's also a high population of citizens who travel uh, to Iraq and other Muslim countries through Brussels. So uh, we're definitely... Keeping our eyes on Brussels, Belgium, and our thoughts and prayers are with uh, the Gatlinburg native and everyone who's been affected by this horrible attack.
2: Definitely, definitely, Jay. So I'm going to ask that you kind of keep tabs on this story, and we can continue to share new developments um, as we follow these terrorist attacks. And it's just awful. I'm want, that's something else I'm wanting to stop. Right. Is that the such the hatred? and the disregard for life, and so many innocent people. You know, a war among those enlisted in the military is one thing. Right. Right, because you kind of made a decision, and you know the what chances. What yeah. But listening to some of the stories and watching some of the people um, go through that is just heartbreaking. So, Jay, I guess you'll follow this story for us and let us know any updates. Most definitely.
5: Most Thank definitely. you.
2: Thank you. Well, let's turn our attention from trending news and go to a lighter note. Many of you may have seen this already on social media or in the news, but just in case you didn't, Minister Ricky Moore of Louisiana planned to bury himself in a coffin until Easter. Now, the burial was scheduled for 3 p.m. on Good Friday, and he was going to stay in the coffin until 3 a.m. Easter Sunday morning. The minister wanted to reenact the resurrection of Christ. Later, it was reported that he would spend 36 hours in a tent versus the coffin for his reenactment. And we need anybody who is in or near Shreveport to contact us on Talking with T and let us know how this turns out. Let us know if he get up right early. (laughs) Right
5: early. (laughs)
1: In the morning, mm. <laughs> you know
2: what, and you got to go to www.talkingwitht.com if you have not seen the Right Bishop Reverend Ricky Moore of Louisiana,
5: and he supposedly has several pastors who are under him in whatever organization that he is the presiding bishop, presiding prelate. He's a of.
2: Baptist bishop. Oh yes, he is a. Baptist Although bishop. we did. I didn't know we
5: had bishops in the Baptist faith. It depends upon, you know, which slant or which end of the Baptist spectrum you want to go to. Because, you know, you've got uh, bishops in several Baptist churches who have their own organizations. So they're still Baptist, but at the same time, they uh, ally themselves with these various fellowships. And so on and so forth. So um, I don't know what organization Bishop Moore is over, but um, I need the saints to be praying for him as he is lying out on his cot. We thank God that he he, he, he had the mind to put the coffin down, and now he's decided that he's going to lay on this cot until early Sunday morning. Sunday
1: morning. And if you look at the pictures, you will see that. His wig changed from the first um, picture when he was going to be in the coffin to the recent picture when he's going to be on the cot. I guess the first lady said, boy, you better not wear my good wig up in that coffin. You, no, know minute. you know I'm wearing that Easter Sunday book. Wait a minute. When he,
5: was, when he was getting ready to get in the coffin, he was giving you George Washington realness with the wig. <laughs> And then when he decided that he wanted to get in the cot, he went to Party City or wherever <laughs> and got that, that Jesus costume on clearance <laughs> with the with the wig, with the cheap bundles. With
1: the with the cheap bundles. The cheap
5: bundles. The had, one... And then had the beard and everything, the little red sash. I can't. I just can't.
2: I can't. Well, had
5: he stayed in that coffin, he wasn't either. He wasn't
2: either. <laughs> Okay, all right. Is there anything else you want to share before we close out this edition of the Crazy Chronicles? Because I think Pam had something on her mind.
1: Oh, really? I think she wanted to get it off her chest. Okay, well, Pam, you know. <laughs> why do women that choose to mess around with married men think that they have to bother the wife and broadcast their affair to the world? I don't know. If his wife doesn't know anything about it or it's not bothering you, why do you think you have to bring it to her attention with random posts tagging them and things, just trying to make yourself known, pictures, you know, whatever. It just seems like it's just a little over the top. Why say anything to her at all? And then have the audacity to get mad when either he talks to his wife, spends any time or money with his wife. I always think it's funny when the mistress believes that the wife is the fool. Let's just set the record straight.
2: Okay. The wife. Set se- it straight, Pam.
1: The wife sleeps in his bed, bears his children, cashes his paychecks, spends holidays and vacations with them, and the one he bends over backwards to protect. So who's really looking like the fool? Mm. And then guess what? Look, what? When the beep hits the fan, mm-hmm. who do you think he's going to choose? Mm. Beep, you guessed it. His wife. <laughs> the only one he took his vows with. So stop believing all that. She won't sign the papers. I'm only there for the kids. And that other BS. Because honey, if he wanted out, he would be out.
5: right. Just right. remember
1: that. All
5: right. Well, Well, Mm.
1: the shade. The shade of it all. Think on these
5: things. It's a
2: forest here with shade. (laughs) Several shade trees here. (laughs) Well, Pam, you know, I'm glad you had the opportunity. Obviously,
1: these things have been bothering you. Yes, it's just just some shenanigans I've been seeing, you mm -hmm. know, on social network and tomfoolery, you know, because number two just cracked me up. They, they just really do. I always mad at number one for being just that, but never mad at themselves for accepting the number two spot. Because statistically, 9% of the people that have outside relationships never, ever leave their home. Mm. In the end, you are used and damaged goods, having spent way too much time recovering from something that hurts you deeply. I heard way too many people bragging about n- number two, Mm. You know, like they're proud of it. You know, when did that start? You know, and how can you call yourself a woman and you accept the number two spot? And how can you call yourself a man when you're making these spots available? What? You better say it, pal. How do you, as a woman, explain your role as a taker of sloppy seconds, but you cry the need to be number one? Well. And men, how do you explain the mind game of having a number one, number two? I really inquiring minds want to know. Mm. 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 Well, listeners, uh... I guess that's it for this bit, and I can't
2: wait to hear what you have to say next week. And I can't wait to tell it. And you know I'm going to say it. All right, now. Let's pick back up with some more shout-outs to Black Girls That Rock, and these submissions were turned in from the Knoxville, Tennessee, listening area. We have sisters Luella Fitzgerald and Catherine McDuffie, who have dedicated their lives as educators, motivators, and mentors to many in the city of Knoxville. Additionally, we have Denetria Moore, founder of Girl Talk, Inc. and Ronnie Chandler, the executive director of Project Grant Knoxville, as well as the author of Light from a Candle. Phyllis Nichols, the executive director of the Knoxville Area Urban League and Rosalind Tillman, dean at Pellissippi State Community College. We also have Tanisha Jenkins, Director of the Office of Multicultural Student Life at the University of Tennessee, and Jay Toma Battle, who is a community activist, leader, and the First Lady of Tabernacle Baptist Church. We have Rhonda Clay, Domestic Violence Survivor and Community Leader, as well as Jackie Clay, Program Director out of the Mayor's Office in Knoxville, Tennessee. We also have Evelyn Gill, who recently won the Democratic primary as the nominee for the general election for County Commission. So to all African-American women making a difference in their communities and the lives of others, you are hereby acknowledged as a black girl that rocks. T's top team this week is a black girl that rocks by the name of Christiane Piggies. Christian is a 15-year-old honor student rocking a 3.95 GPA at Middle College High School in Memphis, Tennessee. She is a painter, and one of her pieces was displayed at the West Tennessee Student Art Show. She is a member of Metropolitan Baptist Church and sings in the youth choir. Christiane was submitted by her grandmother, Crystal Askew, out of Memphis, Tennessee. Well, once again, we've come to an end but stay engaged by visiting www.talkingwitht.com and following the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Periscope. Continue to spread the word about the show. You can now download Talking With Tea on iTunes or TuneIn Radio. You can also subscribe to Talking With Tea Daily, the online daily newspaper, to get your daily scoop of trending news. On that note, I'll end with a quote. Today, I will do what others won't. So tomorrow I can do what others can't. Remember where you heard the word, keep the peace until next week. You've been listening to Talking With T.